0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message.
1: Amen, amen, amen. Well, listen, I'm so excited today. We have a great privilege and honor to have a a, a ministry gift. I don't wanna say guest. I don't like coming up here and, and, and introducing people as guests. I like saying ministry gifts. And so today we're very privileged to have an amazing anointed evangelist in the house with us this morning, evangelist Nathan Pimentel and his wonderful family that has come with him all the way down from the great state of Maine to South Florida. And uh, interestingly enough, it was about a year ago this time in August that you were with us in a service. And... uh, uh, you had the opportunity to welcome the people, and my goodness, I mean, he, he preached a 10-point a sermon, gave an altar call, signs, wonders, and miracles came out. The only thing was missing was an opportunity to sow a seed. I'm telling you, man, he set this place on fire in the five minutes that he just was sharing how good God was. And we said, man, you've got to be back with us. And so today we're absolutely honored and privileged to have an amazing ministry gift in the house this morning who's going to minister. Can you do me a favor and give him the most amazing, warm, abundant life? Welcome, evangelist Nathan Pimentel.
0: Well, praise the Lord. It's good to be down here in sunny South Florida. It's a little bit different than the state of Maine. And I told my wife I've never been anywhere where it's 90 degrees at 9 o'clock in the morning. You can all all go ahead and be seated. And uh, it's a privilege and an honor to be down here. I publicly want to thank Bishop Rick Thomas and Pastor Kathy and Pastor Sean for having me. I believe God wants to do something good this morning. And I believe that if you came expecting for the Lord to do something, you're not going to leave here disappointed. If there's one thing that I understand about God is that when you come to God with expectancy and you come to God in faith, you will never leave his presence disappointed, but you will always leave his presence in encourage and empower to do the very thing that God has placed you on the earth to do. Can somebody say amen? And uh, once again, I thank you so much for having us. My wife and I, uh, we come all the way down from the state of Maine. Originally, I'm not from the state of Maine. I grew up in a a little city by the name of New Bedford in the state of Massachusetts. But I was born in the country of Portugal. And uh, do we have anybody in here that speaks the Portuguese language? I know that there's uh, my wife and I, we went into the grocery store Uh, yesterday, and I told her, I said, I feel like I can move down here to Fort Lauderdale. I said, there's a lot of Portuguese-speaking people here in this area and a lot of the foods that I grew up with. Uh, But my wife would rather live in Maine, I guess. She's not too fond of the heat down here in South Florida. But uh, we're not going to stay too much on that. I want to share with you something that the Lord has deposited into my spirit. Uh, About a couple of years ago, my wife and I had the privilege of going to northern Maine. Two hours further north than where we live, right near the Canadian border to preach at a camp called Whited Bible Camp. And there was a professor there who was a professor at a Bible college that I attended uh, early back in 1999 through 2003. And he spoke on the subject of uh, being in power to get the job done. And he spoke on the purpose and in the power uh, on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I told my wife, I said, sometimes I feel like at the age that I am right now, I wish I could go back to Bible college because I feel like I would learn a whole lot more because there's some maturity uh, that has developed over the, the 20 years since I've been out of Bible college. But as he began teaching on the purpose and in the power of the Holy Spirit, I told my, my wife, you know, Jesus did three things. He, he taught, he preached, and he healed the sick. And I said, and, uh, our, the professor here has been teaching on the power of the Holy Spirit and power to get the job done. I feel like on the last night of camp meeting, I'm going to preach on being empowered to get the job done. And how many of us know in here, every person in here, you have a purpose in your life. And you're valuable to, to, to God And God has an assignment for each and every single one of you here this morning. Your purpose is not just to come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, or attend a midweek service and feel like you've done your religious duty for the week. But the reason we come to church is so that, number one, we can get encouraged and empowered to do what God has called us to do through the power of the Holy Ghost. And if there's something I understand at the age of 41 is that we can do none of this in our own strength, in our own power. But how many of us know that The baptism in the power of the Holy Ghost is a requirement for the life of the believer, that without the power of the Holy Ghost, we will just have religion, Uh, we will just, you know, we will be no different than any other organized religion. But what makes us different from uh, the Muslims and from the Buddhists and from the Mormons and from the Jehovah's Witnesses is that, number one, we believe in Jesus Christ as the son of the living God, that he died, he was buried, and on the third day he was resurrected back to life, And the Bible says that he went back to sit at the right hand of the Father and he sent the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, to the earth to empower us to get the job done, to empower us to pick up right where he left off. And my friend, I've come to encourage you this morning and remind you that the very same spirit that was on the inside of Jesus as he walked the earth is the very same spirit that now lives on the inside of you. You know, the Bible tells us in the book, Romans that the very same spirit that raised Christ up out of the grave is the very same spirit now now dwells on the inside of you and once you have an understanding not just a religious understanding but once you get the revelation of God's word that the very same spirit that raised Christ up out of the grave lives on the inside of you I've come to tell you and remind you and prophesy over your life that beginning today you will never lose another battle in Jesus mighty name Now, I'm not saying you're not going to encounter battles. You're not going to encounter difficult situations. Some of you this morning, you may be in the middle of a difficult situation right now. Some of you this morning, the attacks of the enemy may be coming at you from every direction. Just like my wife and I, we've had attacks come at us from every different direction in life. You know, I hear people say with every new level that God brings you to, you'll always encounter a new devil. But let me encourage you. Even the new devils are under your feet in the mighty name of Jesus. Because the Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you this morning that if you feel like you're in the, middle, in the middle of an attack, that the devil is throwing everything that he has against you, listen, the Bible says no weapon that is formed against you shall ever prosper. And I've come to remind you and encourage you today that whatever attack the enemy is throwing your way, God, through the power of of the Holy Ghost is gonna make a fail in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Because who does the devil think he is that he can do anything he wants with the children of God and thinks that he's gonna get away with it? But my friend, you've got an elder brother, and his name is Jesus, and I've come to remind you that he has your back. And once you understand that you carry his presence everywhere that you go, every devil that stands in your way, every opposition that stands in your way will be be removed in the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So I want to speak to you for a few moments on being empowered to get the job done. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read the scriptures right at the beginning and then we'll go right into the word of God. But in Acts chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading from verses 4 through 8. And then I also want to read Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. Acts chapter 3, 1 through 8. And we might get to Acts chapter 4. But Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Listen to what it says. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, talking of Jesus, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gifts or the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And Jesus replied to them, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, listen to what the Bible says. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then will look like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And then if we go real quickly to Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 8. The Bible records Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, there was a man lame from birth who was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter asked, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Now, here in my notes, I have in Acts chapter 1, I read verses 4 through 8. I like to call this the instructions of the Lord or power. Acts chapter 2, I believe God is empowering his people for service. And in Acts chapter 3, we see the disciples, after the Holy Spirit comes upon them, we see them walking in power. Now, I mentioned just a few moments ago, That I hope that you've come to the house of God this morning with expectancy, because I feel like every time we come to God's house, we should always come to God's house with an expectancy that God wants to do something for me. Not only does God want to bless my my neighbor to my left or to my right, but you have to come to God's house with an expectancy that God wants to do something for me. You need to come to God's house with an expectancy. I'm thankful for what God did two years ago. I'm thankful for what God did last year. I'm thankful for what God did last week in the service. But I'm not coming this Sunday with an expectancy to receive yesterday's bread. But I'm coming this Sunday to the house of God expecting to believe something new from the hand of God. I've come to God's house believing that if I've gone to hell, and back this week, I'm believing that as I walk into church feeling one way, I'm gonna leave Sunday morning leaving a different way with the victory in my hand because God's children, listen, I know the day and age that we are living in right now and it can be easy to hunker down in our homes and do what everybody else is doing and walking in fear, but God said in his word that I've not given you the spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. I want you to leave this place this morning knowing that not only does God want me to have the victory, but victory is already something that belongs to me because of the finished work of the cross. I understand that there's a devil out there, and he's doing everything that he can to destroy the people of God, to wreak havoc in your life, but we serve a greater, a bigger, and a stronger God, and if you will dare to believe God this morning, God will do the impossible in your life, and you will leave this place this morning with the victory in your hand. Can somebody say amen? Amen. You know, expectancy plays a big part in what you receive from God. I was at a service in Suffolk, Virginia about a couple of years ago, and we had a powerful service. The Holy Spirit moved in a tremendous way, and we had people come to know Christ. People get saved at the end of that service, and as I was getting ready to end the service by praying and closing it out, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, there's a young boy in this building that needs, to get a, a, that needs to get healed. And so I just repeated what I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. And I said, is there a young child in here? Is there a mom or a dad or a grandparent? A young child has come with you into the service. And you're believing for God to heal them this morning. If that's you, this is your opportunity. As soon as I said that this 75-year-old grandfather jumped to his feet, and he came running down the aisle. And he said, preacher, I've got to tell you something before I bring my grandchild up. He says, my grandson lives with me and his grandmother. And he says, and this morning, when I was in my bathroom brushing my teeth, my grandson came into the bathroom and he knocked on the door and he said, Grandpa, do you believe that this is the morning that God would heal me of my type 1 diabetes? And here I am getting ready to close out the service, but the Holy Ghost interrupted that service. So, you know, a lot of times we pray, God, interrupt our, interrupt our day, interrupt our lives, and do what you want or what needs to be done. And so on that day, I prayed, Lord, interrupt the service. Whatever you want to do, however you want to take it, I'm open to you because ultimately this service belongs to you. And whatever you want to do, go ahead and have your way. And so when we gave God the opportunity to have his way, he interrupted that service and that nine-year-old boy who was bound by type 1 diabetes because he came to the house of God with expectancy that God was going to do something he may have walked in with type 1 diabetes but by the end of that service he left without the type 1 diabetes why because when you come to the presence of God you will never leave disappointed and never leave discouraged can somebody say amen Now, I said in Acts chapter 1 is is the section of instruction. Now, I'm going to tell you why. In Acts chapter 1, I believe like in verse uh, 5 and and 6, Jesus gives his disciples an instruction. He says, go to Jerusalem and wait till the promise of the Father comes to you. Now, let me just say this. Instructions are very important in the word of God. A lot of people, they look at God's word. And they say that it's a book of blessings and it's a book of promises. And don't get me wrong, there are many blessings in God's word. There are many promises in God's word that we can possess and we can take a hold of if we're living clean and holy lives before the Lord. But can I just go a step further and tell you that the Bible is more than just the book of promises, and it's more than just the book of blessings. The Bible is actually a book of instruction, that when you do what God tells you to do, then God will do his part. You see, the Bible says, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But the problem we have with the modern-day church is they want They want to eat the good of the land, but they don't want to be willing and they don't want to be obedient. But let me just say that God's word, which is a book of instruction, has not been given to you so that life would be hard for you. God's book of instruction has been given to you so that life can be very, very easy for you. You know, my wife has this brilliant idea of... uh, buying toys for my kids for their birthday or for Christmas that needs to be put together, assembled. And one year, she bought this uh, kitchen set for my daughter for her birthday, and she came in after she put Lily to sleep, and she said, could you do me a favor? I said, sure. She said, would you mind putting this kitchen set together tonight so that when Lily walks out of her bedroom, she sees it all assembled and she can start playing with it? I said, sure. How hard can it be to put a children's kitchen set together. Well, number one, that, kit, that box weighed like 400 pounds. I opened the box up, there's like 400 pieces in, in the box. And there's about like five to 600 screws that come together, uh, you know, with, with it inside that box. And so I thought to myself, well, if I take all the pieces of wood out of the box, and if I lay the box up against the wall, then I can see how it looks like, and I can take the right pieces and put them where they need to belong. But it wasn't five minutes after all those pieces were out of the box, my wife was in the other room, and she could literally hear me grumbling and complaining, and she knew exactly what was happening. You know, when you're married to somebody for 19, 20 years, you kind of get to know your spouse pretty well. And so she knew exactly what was happening, and she said, Nate, and I said, yes, and uh, she said, if you look at in the instructions, it will be a whole lot easier. Well, would you know it? That's why God puts wives in the lives of husbands, right? Well, would you know it? I look inside the box, and at the very bottom of that box is a white pamphlet with multiple pages stapled together. It was the instructions on how to put the kitchen set together. Well, as soon as I took those instructions out of the box, you know what happened? I was able to put that kitchen set together without any, it took me three and a half hours still, but I was able to put it together without without any aggravation and with ease. And the Lord spoke to me as I was putting that kitchen set together, and he said, When you see a lot of believers who are panicking in life and a lot of believers that are living aggravated lives, the reason for that is because they have stayed away from the instructions of the Lord. Because if they will follow my instructions and follow the book, the manual, the instructional manual, they will live life with ease and every battle they encounter themselves with in life, they will come out with sweatless victories in the mighty name of Jesus. So you see, instructions are very important in the word of God. My wife and I, a few years ago, and one of the reasons why I'm so thankful for the ministry of Bishop Rick Thomas is because I met him about five, six, seven years ago at camp meeting in West Virginia. And I never heard anybody speak on the subject of finances and have the revelation on the subject of finances as this man of God here. And so I remember one time he challenged all the ministers. You know, this is when I was first starting to learn that God wants to bless us and God wants nothing but the best for us. But a lot of times when we want to experience God's best, like I like to say like this, you've got to put some skin in the game too. And so when I was learning all these things, I remember going down to camp meeting for the first time. And I told my wife, and I know maybe to a lot of people this may not be a lot. But at that time, I told my wife, I said, you know what? I said, we're going to sow a $1,000 seed going in uh, to the West Virginia camp meeting. Because, you know, a lot of people, what they would like to do is they'll like to take that $1,000, and if they're there for four days, then they'll like divide the $1,000, and they'll just give something every day so it doesn't look like they haven't given anything, you know. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be able to write a $1,000 check and sow it into the kingdom of God. And so I remember the very first night that I got there, I took that check for $1,000, and I knew this is what God wanted me to sow, and I sowed it into the kingdom of God. And, uh, and I felt good about it. And uh, I called my wife up. I said, I sowed it on the first night. I said, so, you know, from here on out, I know we're going to believe some good things, but Bishop Rick Thomas was there that week, and he spoke the very last night. And I'll never forget this. I don't know if he remembers this, but I'll never forget this. As he was preaching the last night there, it was a packed house. And he says, I'm going to challenge you to do something that you have never done. And he went on to say, he says, I challenge you. He wasn't talking about just like, you know, the people who came visiting from other churches. But those camp meetings, a lot of ministers come out. And he says, I want you to do something to, that you have never done. As a matter of fact, every minister that is in this house, you should at least be able to sow a $1,000 into this camp meeting tonight. And so I remember when he said that, I said, ha, I already did that. I'm ahead of you. I sold $1,000 the first night. But you know what? The Holy Ghost always has the final say. And so I remember when I thought that and said, well, I'm already one step ahead, and I've already sold $1,000, so I'm free out of this offering. The Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, yes, but he said, do something you've never done, and you've never sold $1,000 back to back. I said, Lord, thank God for cell phones and technology because I took that phone right out and I immediately texted my wife. And the one time that I wanted my wife to agree with me, I said, I think I'm supposed to a $1,000 again tonight. And the only $1,000 that I had was the money saved up for the mission trip that we were going to India that year. And I texted my wife, I said, I think the Lord wants us to a $1,000. And I was hoping to hear her say, well, don't sow it. We need that for the ministry. We need that for the trip that you're going to in India. And she said, are you sure it was the Holy Spirit? I said, I'm pretty sure it was the Holy Spirit. And she said, then you need to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And I'll be honest with you. I did it. But when she said that, I immediately took the offering filled out the envelope, and I tossed that offering immediately into the bucket. Somebody said, why did you do that? Because I didn't want to give the devil an opportunity in my mind to talk me out of what the Holy Ghost had spoken for me to do. And so I'll tell you what, when we obeyed that instruction, I got home. That was the only money I had left to go to, on our mission trip to India. I remember I would left the camp meeting, I went back home, and out of the blue, This guy from the state of Alaska that I've never been to Alaska calls me up and he goes like this. He says, Evangelist, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me the last in the last 24 hours to sow a significant seed into your ministry. He says, Do you have a way of giving on your website? And I spoke to him, I said, What evangelist do you know that doesn't have a way of giving on their website? I said, absolutely, I have a way of giving on my website. And he says, in a few moments, you're gonna hear, you're gonna get a notification. And when I received that notification that somebody had deposited their money into our ministry account, it was more than enough money for us to go on our first trip to India with, with no debt and burden free on the churches over there. And we were able to go over to India. And see hundreds and thousands come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. So instructions are very important in the kingdom of God. How many of us know that in the last few years there's been this thing called COVID-19 that has happened? Right before COVID-19 happened, my wife and I received an instruction uh, from a man of God who we highly respect to sow a significant seed on Resurrection Sunday into the ministry. And he says, either sow one week's worth of your paycheck or sow $1,000. Well, I told my wife we need to up the game and we need to sow one week's worth of our paycheck into the the kingdom of God. I believe this was a word from God. Now my wife and I had just bought a brand new home, brand new to us, it was only 14 years old. Bought a home, Uh, we only owned it for nine months or should I say the bank only owned it for nine months. But we sowed a seed into the kingdom of God. Now, I like the scripture verse that Pastor Sean said a few moments ago. He says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. There's one paraphrase of the Bible that says that God will outdo your greatest request. And I don't know about you, but that scripture makes me shout because I've got some requests. That I've brought before the Father, and I know if I can bring those requests with my infinite with my finite mind, just imagine what God wants to do and what God's gonna release. So my wife and I, we knew that this was a word from God, and he says, if you sow this seed, it goes like this, it will bring life-changing miracles into your life. Well, my wife and I, we had a ten thousand dollar debt that we needed the Lord to take care of. And so I didn't, early on, when I first started Household of Faith Ministries, I didn't really have a a concept of finances and money. And so I kind of like, you know, did stuff that I shouldn't have done, and I borrowed a whole bunch of money to start the ministry, and I was in debt, and I couldn't get rid of that $10,000. And so I was believing with this seed that God was going to take care of that $10,000 debt. You know, the Bible says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. And that he'll outdo your greatest request. So we sowed a week's uh, worth of our wages into the kingdom of God. One obedience to one simple instruction, not knowing that that seed was going to change the whole course of our life. I was believing for $10,000 to disappear. When four days later, my wife and I received word. Now, this is not why it happened. But we received word that an elderly woman had passed away and that she was leaving some money to my wife and I, along with other people. And so honestly, I thought to my wife and I, you know, I thought, I said, well, how's $5,000 going to change our life? She was an old lady. She wore, uh, you know, shoes that had holes in them. You would look at her and you would think that she needs your help and not she's going to help you, you know. And so I told my wife, I said, how's $5,000 going to change our lives? And so I remember like four days, five days after we had sowed that seed, my wife finally calls me up. I was on the road somewhere. And she said, our lives have drastically changed. I said, how much money did she leave behind? I said, $10,000? She said, higher. 15000 Higher. 20000 No, a little bit higher. Well, when she got to 20000 20 may not be a lot for you, but 20000 at that time is a whole lot of money to me. And I can use $20,000 for a lot of things. And she said, no, a little bit higher. I said, how much did she leave behind? She said she left behind $1.2 million. We were able to pay our house off. We were able to pay our vehicles off. We were able to put money in a savings account, invest money. And don't forget, we were able to give thousands of dollars into the kingdom of God. And now God positioned us in a way where we can travel all over the world next year when we do crusades in Kenya, Ghana, Brazil, Spain, Cuba. God set us up in a way where we don't have to base what we do, determine on what our finances tell us what we can do. But check this out. All that money came into our ministry, into our family 1 month before COVID-19 happened. So while churches were shut down and people were panicking, how we're going to do this, how we're going to have finances for this. God set us up in a way where I could sit down in my backyard for 4 straight months and burn wood and have no concern in my life. Why? Because God takes care of his people. Can somebody say amen? And that all happened because we follow an instruction from the word of God. And in Acts chapter 1, God gave his disciples an instruction. He said, don't leave Jerusalem until the promise comes. Why? Just like we've been instructed in God's word not to neglect the gathering of the believers. Why? Because there's something in the house of God That we need to possess a hold of before we step outside of these four walls to do what God's called us to do. And then in Acts chapter 2, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit comes. And the Bible says that these disciples, they began to speak in other tongues. But can I just say this, that the purpose of the Holy Spirit was not so that you would just speak in tongues. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, what did Jesus say? He didn't say, you shall receive, you shall speak in tongues, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Jesus said, you shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You know, I remember when I was in Bible college, I was just graduating, we had a senior banquet, my wife uh, had already graduated, and uh, she was living outside of the Boston area, she came down with me to my senior banquet, and at the senior banquet at a Bible college, they had a screen kind of like that one right there. Not as nice as that screen, but they had something similar to that on the on the wall. And I don't know if some of you can think back to when you were in high school. You know, they would do things in the yearbook that would say best dressed, prettiest smile, uh, most likely to go on to like, Yale or Harvard, you know, they would say things like that. They would make one person feel very uh, important and significant, and everybody else they would make feel like very insignificant, you know. And so I remember at my Bible college they were saying things like they had a screen and they would say things, most likely uh, uh, to go into the missions field, most likely to be a 4.0 student, most likely to, uh, you know, uh, playing massive crusades outdoor. And so they were like pointing people out and things like that. But at that time, as they were doing that, I received a phone call from my brother's uh, girlfriend. And uh, when I picked up the phone, like inside the banquet, I knew it was important. She wouldn't have been calling me if it was not important. I picked it up. She's like, Nathan, your mother's house is on fire. And so I immediately got up and I stepped out of that banquet and I said, have you called anybody else? And she said, no, you're the first person I've called. I said, well, the Portuguese must have kicked in, you know. I said, get off the phone with me and call the fire department. Make sure you get somebody there to put the, to put the fire out. That's just common sense. And so I remember, walking back, I remember walking back in to the banquet, and I look at my wife. And she wasn't, she, she didn't look too happy. And I said, what's going on? She said, I'll tell you after we leave. So she knows I only got saved under the ministry of Brother Tiff Shuttlesworth when I was like uh, 18 years old in April. Here's a cool story. Got saved under Brother Shuttlesworth's ministry, filled with the Holy Ghost under Brother Shuttlesworth's ministry, called into full-time evangelism under Brother Shuttlesworth's ministry, and then I worked for Brother Shuttlesworth for 10 years as his associate evangelist, and my wife has his office administrator. And, uh, but anyway, so my wife says, I'll tell you after we leave the meeting. So we leave the meeting. She knew. You know... I'd only been saved for four years, and sanctification is a process. And she realized that sanctification process took a whole lot longer with me. And so she knew if she had told me what had happened, that I probably would have said something that I would have regretted. And so we leave, and she tells me, she says, when you left the banquet to go speak to your brother's girlfriend on the phone, she said the very next next, uh, heading that went on that screen was most likely not to graduate Bible college and most likely not to make it into the ministry. And there was only one name that was on that screen. And can you guess whose name that was? Well, my friend, I'm here to tell you that 20 years later, I'm here standing in front of you, not by my own strength, not by my own power. But why? Because I made myself available to the kingdom of God. You see, a lot of people, they look at man's outward appearance, but God looks at the inward part of the person. And when everybody else may have had more talents, more abilities, I made myself available to the kingdom of God. And some of you here this morning may say, well, I'm not a great preacher. I'm not a great speaker. I don't have anything to offer God. I've got no talents. I've got no abilities. But my friend, if you will make yourself available to the kingdom of God, God's not looking. Now, abilities and talents help. But God's not just looking for people with abilities and talents. God's looking for people who have made themselves available to the kingdom of God. And if you're here this morning and you say, God, here am I. Send me. I'm making myself available to you. There is no telling what God wants to do and what he can do in your life. Can somebody say amen? But I'm not here because of my own talents and abilities. I'm here because I've been empowered by the mighty Holy Ghost. The Bible says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Can I be honest with you? I'm not ashamed of being Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed that I speak in tongues and I'm not ashamed that I carry the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. Because what I've learned in this final hour of time is people are not looking for uh, leaders that have degrees hanging on their wall. They're looking for people that when they're fighting the greatest battle of their life, they're looking for people who can help them through their situation. They're looking for people who have been empowered by the Holy Ghost, and they can step in, and they can be a help, and they can shut down every work of the devil in Jesus' mighty name. You know, my wife and I were at a church in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, and this lady comes up to the altar, And she says, I need you to pray for me. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, this morning after church, we went home. And all of a sudden, I knew something wasn't right in my body. So I told my husband to take me to the hospital. So they went to the hospital. They got into the emergency room. The doctor did some x-rays and some scans on her body. Now, I'm not a doctor. And I don't know everything about what there is to know about the, uh, the human body. But she did say this. She says... On your heart, there's like these veins, four veins that come out of here, and it pumps blood in and out throughout your body. She said, when the doctor took a scan of my body, she said that three of those veins were like 89% blocked, and one was 75% blocked. The doctor looked at her and said, there's no way that you should even be breathing right now. You should be dead. He says, I don't even know how you're alive. We need to admit you into a, hospital, into a room right now and do emergency heart surgery uh, on, like, on, on you. And she said, well, she says, my church has what we call our super Sunday service. And we believe God for miracles. So, so she said, before I give the doctor an opportunity, I'm going to ask God to do something in my life. And so she came out to the service and she's telling me this. And I said, so what do you want me to do? She said, I just want you to pray that God will heal my heart and that he will heal me however he wants to do it. So I said, all right, laid my hands on her. And I said, Father, through the power of the Holy Ghost and because of the blood of Jesus Christ, Father, however you want to heal this woman, I said, heal her in Jesus' mighty name and let the blood flow in and through her heart throughout her body. Well. We, start, I, I let, I let him, we walked away. I didn't hear anything from that woman for one week. She calls me or she inboxes me on Facebook uh, one week later and she says, I gotta give you a testimony. So eventually, after she inboxed me, we got on the phone, me, her, her husband, and she gives me this testimony of how she went back to the doctor a week later and the doctor said, I thought you were dead. He said, I was expecting for you to come back either that night or to come back the very next day. He says, but it's been a week. He said, we need to put you into a a room right now and do some surgery on your heart. And she said, no, doctor, I need you to do another checkup on my body. And so the doctor tried fighting her, saying, we're not going to do that. We need to put you into a room. But eventually the woman, after 20 minutes of uh, fighting with the doctor she won, and they put her on a bed and they put her into a machine and they did a scan on her whole body. He comes back from the other room, scratching his head. And he says, uh, the, the, the husband looks at the, the doctor and says, doctor, is everything all right? He said, no, everything is not all right. But he said, I can't explain what's happening though. And he said, What happened? He said, Well, remember how I told you that all of those veins were like 89% blocked, and one was like 75% blocked yet? Yeah. He says, Well, all of them are completely blocked. And the husband looks at the husband looks at the doctor and says, Well, that doesn't make any sense. If they're all blocked, then how is she alive? How is she living? He says, This is what I don't get. He says, right beside those veins where they're completely blocked new veins within the week have formed, and they have taken on the work of the old veins. So even though the old veins are not pumping the blood throughout the body, somehow brand new veins have formed, and they're pumping blood throughout your body. So in essence, there's nothing wrong with you. He said, this just isn't natural. And she lifted her hand and she said, doctor, it's not natural. It's supernatural. And my friend, let me tell you what. You don't serve a a natural God, you serve a supernatural God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Because when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, guess what? He gives you everything that you need in order to get the job done. Now I want to be very respectful of time, but I want to share this one last thing with you, that when the Holy Ghost comes upon you to get the job done, in Acts chapter 4, the believers were coming against some persecution. And they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus or speak in the name of Jesus. But Peter, man, he was bold. He's like, I don't care what you tell me I can't do. I'm going to preach and I'm going to teach on the name of Jesus until he comes for his children. And I've made up my mind. In 2022, they may try to tell us to keep Jesus to ourselves. They may try to tell us. They, you know, I've heard people say, well, Jesus is a crutch for the weak, well, you know what, you can go ahead and say that, because without Jesus, I know I'm weak. Without Jesus, I know I can't do anything. But I know with Jesus, nothing shall be impossible unto me. And so I've made up my mind in 2022, I'm going to preach Jesus and I'm going to tell people about Jesus everywhere that I go. And when you do what God tells you to do, unashamedly, can I tell you this, there will be a divine protection that comes upon the children of God. In 2022... You do not have to fear what worldly powers may try to want to do to you. They, the Bible says no weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. It's not saying that you're not going to encounter battles and oppositions. It's not saying that the devil's never going to form weapons against you. But every weapon that he does form against you before it reaches you, it will be shut down in the mighty name of Jesus. Four years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Cuba. I had the nation of Cuba call me up and ask me, what are you going to preach about when you come to our our nation? Now, I've had churches call me up and say, hey, I want you to preach on this subject. I've never had a nation call me up and ask me what I'm going to preach about. They said, we want you to stay away from politics, stay away from talking about your president, stay away from talking about the poverty of the people here in Cuba, and certainly don't tell them that the reason they're poor is because of their government. So, what are you going to preach about? They asked me. I said, I'm just going to preach Jesus that He saves, He heals, and that He delivers. You know, a lot of people get themselves in a whole lot of trouble because they preach everything under the sun but Jesus. You know, I still believe that there is something in this book that you can preach about. If you can't, I'm old fashioned. People say, Nay, you're old fashioned. You still believe that we can preach preach out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Absolutely. Because it's the word of God that changes life. It's not my opinions, but it's the word of God that changes somebody's life. So when they asked me, what are you going to preach about? I said, I'm simply going to preach that Jesus saves, he delivers, and he heals, and that he wants to bless them. Because you know what? Faith is a universal currency that works regardless of what your geographical location may be. People tell me all the time, Well, you go try to preach that prosperity stuff over in India and let me know how it works. Well, I went to India. And when we had a prayer line, there were hundreds of people through that prayer line, before I even laid hands on them, they would give us an envelope filled with money. And I would say, like, what's this for? This is my seed. This is me saying, Lord, I I believe your word. And this is me showing God that I believe that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. And I thought to myself, I was like, man, now I can go back home and tell the people in America that I've been to India, I've preached that God wants to bless them, but the only difference is between India and a lot of people in America is that they receive the message a whole lot quicker. And they apply it to their lives and they're seeing God step into their situations. So I remember when I went to Cuba to preach, you know, and I told them I was only going to preach Jesus, I remember that month, that Sunday morning, Sunday night, Many people came to know Christ as Savior, but on Monday night, I go to church, and the pastor comes running to me, and he says, Nathan, listen, if there's ever a time that you stayed away from preaching on politics or anything, now would be the night, because we heard that they have government officials that have just come into this building, and they're here to arrest you if you say anything wrong, and I thought to myself, I said, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? And they said, well, the worst thing that could happen to you is that you get deported, and I said, well, that's actually a blessing to get deported and to go back home to America. I said, the worst thing that could happen is you getting detained for a long period of time. And so I made, I made my mind up. I'm just going to preach Jesus. And, uh, and so I preached. And so I knew who the government official were, was because they were singing this song, There's Joy in the House of the Lord. And while everybody was jumping up and down, uh, there was uh, a gentleman way in the back in a green uniform, Looking like he was baptized in lemon juice. It wasn't word of knowledge. I just knew by his reaction that he was the government official. So I preached Jesus. And I remember like 45 minutes into that service, I thought to myself, I said, Lord, I need you to do something. I said, because if I say the right wrong thing or well, I've said the wrong thing, this guy's gonna get up and he's gonna arrest me. So I need you to help me out and to you know get me out of this mess that I'm in right now. All of a sudden, as I say that to the Lord, I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me and say that there's somebody in the room that has a kidney issue. So I look over at my interpreter and I said, there's somebody in this room with a kidney issue. Nobody lifted a hand. Now, in my younger years, I would have thought, man, everybody's going to think that I'm a false prophet. Everybody's going to think I didn't hear from the Lord. Everybody's going to think that I'm a fake. But I know the voice of God. And so when nobody lifted a hand... I said, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, tell Octavio that the person who has the kidney issue, that in the last week they've urined out blood twice. And so I looked at Octavio, I said, the person with the kidney issue doesn't even know he has the kidney issue, but he's urined out blood two times this last week. So when he said that to the people that were sitting down, all of a sudden, to my left, way in the back, the gentleman with the green uniform lifted up his hand. I thought to myself, in my spirit, not out, not out where he could see me, but in my, I was like, God, what are you doing? That's the guy that wants to put me in jail. Anybody but him. You know what he said? He says, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help you out. So how many of us know the Holy Spirit knows best? See, when the enemy has a plan to take you out, like he did with the disciples, God always has a plan to bring you out. Not everybody's for you. Not everybody in this church is for you. There are some people in life who want to see you fail. There are some people in life that will say things about you that are completely absurd to make them look good and make you look bad. But if you keep your hands clean, I remember one, when I was growing up, you used to sing this song, victory, victory shall be mine. If I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles, victory, victory shall be mine. The problem is we try to want to fight the battles our own self. But if we will just give the battle into the hands of the Lord and allow God to fight our battles, God does a better job vindicating you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And so I asked this gentleman to come on down to pray for him. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was a little concerned because I was going to lay my hands on him and I didn't want him to think that I was going to try to assault him, you know. And I thought to myself, well, he's a little three-foot Cuban guy. I said, I've got a little bit of height on him. I said, if he tries to do anything, I'll put all my, you know, my younger days of watching Chuck Norris movies, I'll put that into action. And then I'll run as fast as I can to the airport. But the problem is when I get to the airport, they'll eventually catch up to me because I can't get onto the plane. So I might as well just, you know, follow God's instruction. And so I laid hands on the guy and I asked the Lord to touch him and to heal him. And the power of God came upon that that, uh, that uh, government official, in a way like he's never experienced before. He came up to me before, this, but, but, like before I prayed for him and he says, hey, can I ask you something? I said, sure. Through the interpreter, he said, why did God tell you what's wrong with me? And my religious answer to him was, because how many of us know Christians are good at giving religious answers? You know, when they want to say no to you, you know what they say? Let me pray about it. <laughs> Let me pray about it. Oh, that's a no. It's true, right? Let me pray about it. And, uh, and so anyway, uh, he says, why did God tell you what's wrong with me? You know what I told him? The religious answer was, because God loves you and God wants to see you get healed. But what I really wanted to tell him was the reason God told me what's wrong with you is so me, no go to jail, and me go back home to my wife. <laughs> That's the honest truth. <laughs> Power of God, touch that, touch that government official, and I wish I could tell you he got saved. But he didn't get saved on that day. But the next day, he comes to church. Now he's got like five, six other people with him. And I thought to myself, man, I must have really ticked this guy off. Because now he's bringing his boys with him. And I'm not leaving this place until I'm in handcuffs. And so I remember, I said, as I was preaching, I said, Lord, 45 minutes into my preaching, I'm getting ready to close. I, told, I, told, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, do the same thing you did yesterday. Tell me something that's wrong with one of these guys so that we can call out by word of knowledge, see the power of God, touch him, and I can walk out of the sanctuary, you know, without, without any problems at all. But the only problem that I ran into is the Lord wasn't telling me anything. And so I thought to myself, I said, you know what, I'm just going to preach and I'm going to give the best altar call that I've ever preached in my life, that I've ever given in my life. That altar call, Bishop, went on for 45 minutes. I said, listen, if, I, if this is going to be the last time I give an altar call, it may be the longest, might as well be the longest and the best altar call I've ever given. So I gave that altar call, took 45 minutes, and I said, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, but today you know you've got to repent of sin, you've got to make things right with God, I said, if that's you today, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up. And I'm going to pray with you, and today your name is going to be written in the guest book of heaven. And if you were to leave this life, this earth today, you can know that you know that you know that heaven would be your home. So if you're here this evening and you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, I said go ahead and lift your hand. And would you know it, that every single government official that came into that building to arrest me, all of them, got arrested by the Holy Ghost. And they all lifted up their hands. They all came down to the, to the altar. And every single one of them bowed their knee. And they confessed with their mouth and they believed in their heart that Jesus is Lord. And my friend, I said all that to say this, that it's no different in your walk with the Lord here in sunny South Florida, that if God calls you to do something, that if God calls you to go somewhere, that God will give you divine protection everywhere that you go. You know, I believe that we are living in the final hour of time, but this isn't an hour for the church to be afraid this isn't an hour for us to walk uh, around in fear or to r- run away from the attacks of the devil as a matter of fact listen you know the bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world when i went to india to go and preach people asked me if i was afraid to go to india and i wasn't afraid but after the 25th person asking me if i was afraid guess what happened i became afraid And when I asked the person, why would I be afraid? You know what they said? The dominant religion in India... It's not the religion that you're a part of. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because when you have knuckleheads who know how to speak negatively like that, God will always speak a word of encouragement. And he said, you may not be part of the dominant religion, but you carry the presence of the dominant God on the inside of you. And I made up my mind. I said, when I get to India and my foot touches the land of the nation of India, I don't care if there's a hundred, a thousand, or a million devils waiting for me. When I step off of that plane, every single one of them will scatter like cockroaches when you turn the lights on. Why? Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I just want to encourage you this morning, my friend, through the power of the Holy Ghost, The same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that is on me, the same Holy Spirit that is on Bishop and every single pastor of this church is the same Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of you to empower you to get the job done. Because each and every single one of you in this final hour of time, God has given you an assignment that nobody else can complete, that nobody else can fulfill, and God's waiting on you to step up to the challenge and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife_TV underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.